This morning, how many of you have um, have been breathing this morning? Is that the vast majority of us? If anyone stops, if you could let us know uh, ahead of time, it helps the disruption. How many of you would agree that, that breathing is an important part of, of your day? Okay, most of us have agreed with that. How much thought have you put into your breathing this morning? Not, not very much. That's, that's interesting because you just told me how important it was, yet you don't think about it. How important are your Thanksgiving plans? Yeah, those are pretty important. And we've, started, and we've been planning that for what? For weeks, right? Who's bringing what? Who brings the corn casserole? And who brings the green bean casserole? And how many desserts do we need to have? And how many dinners are we having that day? And where all are we going? Lots of planning goes into that. Could we argue that breathing maybe is more important than that? Yet, yet we haven't thought about it. Why? What's that? We don't have to. We don't have to think of it. So anything that we don't have to think about, right, then we put that aside. We, how many of you can hold your breath right now? All right, ready? Here we go. One. Ready? ready you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Everybody hold your breath. Okay, Liv's eyes are about to pop out. Some of you are already uncomfortable. Some of you could keep going. Some of you are doing the cheating thing where I'm going to breathe through my nose. And you laughed. Or it looks like I'm holding my breath. Okay, very good. We don't want anybody to pass out. Because some of you, just to prove a point, will continue to hold your breath until you completely, <laughs> until you completely fall out on the ground. And then, exactly. Those competitive ones of you will make sure that you do that. It's probably not fair that Claire was in that competition because they, like, swim underwater and, like, they... They played an entire sport without breathing, which seems unfair. But, okay, now, now let's do this. Let, let's work on another body system, okay? Let's, um, let's hold, stop your heartbeat. Okay, ready? One, two, three. How many of you can do that? Well, <laughs> we, we can't do that. You know, something interesting is that, you know, they call that an, an autonomous body system. Those things that, like breathing, it just, it happens on your own. Remember, you just said that we didn't think about it. And so, Donita told us, since we didn't have to think about it, we're not going to think about it, right? But, it, but by the same token, we do have some ability to control it. Isn't that kind of interesting? That while it, it's involuntary, it does its own thing, and we don't have to think about it, yet we can think about it, and we can have some sense of control over it. Now, if we would continue to hold our breath, at some point, we would reach that point that your body says, brother, we have to live, and you would, you would breathe, right? All of this I just have found interesting in, in breath and thinking about breath, probably just over the last couple of, of years as, as my mom's gotten sick. You know, she's had a lung disease. And so it prevents you from being able to breathe. So while something that, that we rarely give any thought to, I've just started giving more thought to. Because, you know, my mom was one that, I mean, she was at 
as I was growing up, I mean, if I was in a sporting event, she's there. She knew nothing about the game, yet she would let the referees know all of the calls that were wrong, <laughs> even though she didn't even know the rules half the time. But so she was a vocal fan. And then, and then as, we, as we had children, I mean, she was at events. She was at soccer. She was at all of these things. And, you know, they could do no wrong. And all of a sudden, I could do wrong, and they could do no wrong. You know, it used to be that if, if I showed up, and Melissa can attest to this, that if I came to the house, then it was, man, whatever I wanted, and there's sweet tea going, and food coming, and things are rocking and rolling, and then kids come along, and all of a sudden, I wasn't near as important anymore, which I didn't really appreciate, but... and. But there's lots of activity and going and moving and at things. And then, and then you start to see there came this time all of a sudden where the life that she was living started to change. And she just wasn't as talkative when we would be together. Why wasn't she as talkative? Yeah. Guess what? When you talk, it takes breath. So she was just quieter, so she wouldn't say as much. And then because of, of some of the sports that, that our kids would play were outdoors and changing weather and allergies and that sort of thing affects what? Breath. So she couldn't come to those. So then all of a sudden she, she's not coming to certain events. And then there was a time that, that she wasn't able to come to one of the twins' birthday parties. As a grandmother, do you miss birthday parties? I mean, that's like the end-all, be-all for a kid, right? And she wasn't able to come to that. What, what was happening? Yeah, it wasn't just her breath that was being taken away. What was being taken away? Her life. Her life was being taken away because of the lack of breath. So look at how important and how, how devastating it could be when you, when you lose breath. And it leading up to the point where last February she even had a, a lung transplant. And that's what, you know, she's still in that process of, of recovering from. But... But in that and, and through that and then in, in thinking and studying for what this week and what, what message I would, I would bring to you this morning, I want to bring us three lessons on breath, three lessons on breathing and what, what can we learn from, from breath. So turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. As we look at our first lesson of about breath. First, number one, breath is is necessary for life. Breath is necessary for life. And, and just like I was telling you about my mom's story, somehow how we define life doesn't necessarily just mean that you're alive. Life can also mean we see that she was losing breath and she was losing life, meaning she was losing the actual ability to go and to be with those that she loved, to share life 
with those that we love. You could also say that breath is not only necessary for life, but but breath in, in many sense is life. Breath is life. Now let's let's dive into this Ezekiel 37 and to set this up a little bit, Ezekiel we know was a prophet of God. Okay, and this is he is a prophet in a time when Israel, the nation of Israel, is in a they're in a bad way. They've been decimated, they've been taken captive, they've lost, they've lost their battles, they, they are in a very desperate and desolate place right now. They know they've been given this promise that one day they will be a great nation again, but at the moment, things are not looking that way. And so that's where Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel is. That's the time frame that we're in and the, and the people that he was speaking to. So he's, he's speaking here with God and he's having a moment with God. You know, it, in the Old Testament times, God really spoke through the prophets where God would, God would give the prophets a word and then they would disseminate that knowledge and disseminate that information to the people. That was how God chose to speak his word and to breathe his word, if you will, to his people. Ezekiel Chapter 37, we'll start in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and this is Ezekiel speaking here. It's in his account. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he, he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many of the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. What, what do we see right there? Where is he at? Okay, he's at a graveyard. A lot of scholars believe this was probably a, a place of a great battle because the, the bones were just there. So lots of people had, had lost their lives here in this valley and the bones were there. What do we see about the condition of the bones? They were, they were very dry. So what, what does that tell us? Been there a minute, right? They, they've been there. These are, these are an, an old sight, an old place that, that he's come. And he said to me, son of man, son of man is how, he, how God is referring to Ezekiel here, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, you know. What, just that one verse, what can we learn from that? Okay, trust in God. God is in control. He knows it all. Because you know what, as I was reading through that, and I read through verse 3, and I'm thinking, if God asked me that question, I would be tempted to answer. Because that's just who I am. Is if there's a problem to be solved, or if there's a question, and, and oftentimes Melissa asks me things, or presents a problem that there is, and so guess what I try to do? I, yeah, I, I'm going to fix She's asked a question. There, there's a problem. I believe that I have a solution. And so, stupid me, I think I'll actually share that solution <laughs> that I believe could fix all of these things that she's stressed about. How well does that always go over? Not, it's not about the now. Not, not always great. Not always great. Now, the trick is finding the times that she really does want the answer and the time that she doesn't want the answer and I still haven't mastered that yet but you won't okay thanks for that encouragement Brian I appreciate that 
But I, but I love what Ezekiel says here, is he gets it. I mean, how many of you, we laugh, you're laughing at me, but I think you're, I know Eric would try to answer the question too. Because I've been around Eric enough. That's okay. But Ezekiel's smart enough here to not even attempt to answer the question. Where are we with that? Do we need to stop figuring things out? And sometimes just say, oh Lord God, you know. You know, he's there and he's seeing all these bones. and he's, You know he doesn't know. And he just says, you, you know, I don't have a clue. I don't even know why you brought me to this place that like is a little scary, to be honest. In verse 4, again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. What does he say has to happen that they may come to life? It's bones. That's all it is at this point. When you look at a skeleton or bones, is breath the first thing that pops into your head that they need to come back to life? It's not to me. Wouldn't we, what would we say? Yeah, they need a body, right? They need a form. But God, when he saw the bones laid out, the first thing he says that would bring them life was what? Breath. That's interesting to me. Now, I think something we need to know is that oftentimes in Scripture, the word breath is interchanged with, very often, the actual word life or spirit. So I think when God says breath, He's got something very much bigger in mind than O2, than oxygen. He's got something bigger in mind than just air. How often do we limit our thinking because we think of breath as just air? That's not how God sees it here. So when he, when he told these, these bones here, I will give them breath. Verse 6, then he says, after he said that he'll give them breath with life, now he's concerned with the other. I'll put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin. And, and then again he repeats, and put breath in you so that you may come alive. Again, it points out the fact that I'm going to give you the skin and I'm going to give you the muscles and I'm going to give you the flesh and I'm going to give, give these bones all of those things, but I'm going to give you breath so that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Then in verse 7, Again, Ezekiel speaking, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Now, as I read that, maybe I'm the only one, but I think of the old back-to-school song, the knee bones connected to the thigh bone, the hip bones connected. You know, does anybody else remember that? That's kind of what I envision was playing in the background as the bones are rattling and, and putting themselves back together. Now, my guess is that song was probably not 
actually playing. But if that song had been written at this time, I believe that it probably would have been. Because that's what's happening here. All these bones. I mean, imagine if you're there and you're Ezekiel. That's weird. Right? But these bones are coming together and they're forming and, and they're all, every piece is coming back into itself and it's recreating these, these forms and structures. And I looked and behold, sinews were on them and flesh grew and skin covered them. But, what did they lack? There was no breath in them. So now the bones were together. They had flesh. But what did they lack? Breath. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. Again, it's not about the body. It wasn't about the flesh. It wasn't about all of that. What was going to bring life? What is synonymous with life? Breath. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And again, I think there's a lesson we can learn from Ezekiel. How many times has he said here, I prophesied as he commanded me? Not, I prophesied with my own spin on it. Not, I prophesied as I saw fit. Not, I prophesied when the time was right for me. I prophesied when I fully understood what it was that the Lord was talking about. It doesn't say any of those things. It's just as he commanded me, as he commanded me, as he commanded me. So I prophesied as he commanded me that, and the breath came into them. What does it say? And what? The breath. That's interesting to me. It doesn't just say, and breath came into them. It says, and the breath. Why would it say that? Just in language, why do we say the versus just leaving that as breath? Couldn't it be left as breath? And if it was left as just breath, is yours just breath? How many of you have just breath? How many of you have the breath? Okay. Why is there a difference there? In the actual, when you go back and look, it, it means there was a, a particular exclusive thing here which is why most of the early transcripts have a the or have some, some, um, some disclaimer on that, that it wasn't just a generic, but it was an exclusive. Why would that be? Because it wasn't just air. Because when we use the word breath here, it was life. And life is a valuable, valuable thing. It's not just air. It's not just a makeup of, of, of chemistry that came into the lungs of these newly formed bones and flesh. It was life. Life came into them. The life entered into them during that time. They came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet and, and exceedingly great army now there's lots of lots of things here that god was teaching the nation of israel about what he can do and his point was that nothing is impossible with me that i have said you will be a great nation again and while things look terrible for you now if i can bring a a valley of dry bones and create an exceedingly great army and give them breath 
just by my word, I can make you a nation again. That was the point that, that God was making to Ezekiel and for Ezekiel to prophesy to the nation of Israel at that time. But what, what we can see from this for our, for our point today is that it was the breath that gave them life. And that breath is necessary for life. And that we can dare even say breath is life. So that's our foundational lesson that we, that we have to learn about breath. So the second lesson, if that is true, that breath is life, then the next thing we need to know is, is from where does it come? Let, let's look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis 2 verse 7. Let's look at what God says. Our second lesson here is that breath comes from the Lord. Breath comes from the Lord. And in Genesis 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. So again, he's formed him. We get the impression here that the body is complete and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. Again, he doesn't say breathe in air into his lungs and they inflated and now he was able to breathe in and out. So what he says, he says, I, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and what happened? What does your translation read? Became a living being. Is that interesting to anybody? Because what about the animals? Jim, do, do animals breathe? They, they do, don't they? I mean, some of them in very different ways. I mean, fish have their own little system going. But, but they breathe, right? They, I mean, even fish underwater, they collect air, they collect the oxygen through their gills through, under the water, right? So they breathe. So it's not just that all of a sudden through this act, God gave man the ability to breathe that this was so exclusive because what about he doesn't say anything about doing this to all of the animals and were they breathing were they alive they were alive right so what is different here he exactly that that breath of life is not just air he gave us the, that very spirit that we became a living being. There's something sacred about that. There's something special about that that's different than the squirrels and the possums and the, all of those things that also have air, but they don't have life. The way God is speaking of life that he breathed into into man, and he became a living being. What does John 14, 6 say to us about life? You flip over to John 14, 6, what do we see that's significant here? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember this breath that, he, that he's breathing in. Christ was there at that time that God breathed into Adam. 
He breathed in life. He breathed in his spirit. He breathed into Adam at that very moment his soul. And as he did that, that need for Christ was there. So we see that breath is is life. We see that breath is necessary for life. We see that breath comes from God. And by breath, we mean life. Life comes from God. The third lesson I want us to see is that breath is designed to be expelled. Breath is designed to be expelled, to breathe out. You know what's interesting about my mom and and her situation with, with lungs is really that's the issue. When your lung is diseased, you can't expel air. And in fact, the very easiest thing for us to do, if you have a non-diseased lung, then it's easier to expel air than it is to inhale air. It just almost, it will naturally just expel. The only time that that's not the case is if you have a diseased or a non-functioning lung. So what's interesting is, the inability to breathe out makes it very difficult for you to be able to breathe in. Does that make sense? Now let's look at Psalm 146 because this is this is where I want us to end here because it all of it none of this makes any difference unless we really get this Psalm 146. Psalm 146 and verse 2. Well, we'll start in verse 1 there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my breath. Some of you might have being there. Or while I have my life. And remember that life and breath, those two are, are interchangeable words. So you might have while I have breath, or you might have while I have my life, or while I might... While I have my being, I'm going to give it to him. Psalm 150, flip over just a couple. Psalm 150 and verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now after we've seen everything about breath, that, that verse means something a little different to us now. Let everything that has the Spirit of God, let everything that has life, let everything that is a being, that has life, let him praise the Lord. That's the point. We're not created by by accident. Even in how we're created, none of it's by accident. And so I, I find it interesting that that it's only a diseased lung that can that has difficulty expelling air. So I think about believers. I think about the church. What are we designed to do? We're designed to breathe in his goodness and then to what? Breathe it out over other people 
Breathe it out to one another. Breathe it out as praise to Him. And if those things are not happening, if we are not breathing out His life, His Spirit, His Word to others, if we are not breathing out His life, His Spirit, His Word to those around us, if we are not breathing out His life, His Word, His Spirit back as praise to Him, we're diseased. There's something wrong. There's a problem there because that's what we are designed to do. So what are you doing? What are you doing with your breath? What are you doing with your breath? Are you just inhaling? You're trying to suck in, but you're not expelling anything? That's a diseased lung. That's a diseased life. That's a diseased church. It's not how we were created. It's not how we were designed. He's made it very clear that breath is necessary for life. His breath is necessary. That it only comes from Him and it's designed to be breathed out over other people. I don't know where all of us are today. But my guess is that there's some of us that have enjoyed just breathing in. And we haven't been expelling. What happens with that is just like my mom had the life sucked out of her because she couldn't expel air. Our spiritual life will suffer that same fate if we're not expelling that air back in praise. How do we expel that air back in praise? Is it in singing like we did this morning? Absolutely. Is that the only place that we praise? No. It needs to be in our language. It needs to be in our life. It needs to be in in, in what we're purchasing and what we're watching and what we're reading and what we're not watching, what we're not reading. All of those things are how we expel praise. But what are you doing with your breath? What are you doing with the life that God has breathed into you? God has breathed something special into you that he chose to give to you and not to to the rest of his creation. He breathed into you very differently than he did the, the deer and the squirrels and the birds. He breathed into you something that makes you a living being, as he calls it there in Genesis. There's a reason that you were designed differently. There's a reason that God breathed into us differently. As we pray here and as the the praise team will come and we'll finish our, our time of worship with song, just ask yourself, what am I doing with the breath? What am I doing with the life? What am I doing with the being, with the spirit, with the soul 
that God has breathed into me. Father, we come to you, and Lord, we Lord, I ask forgiveness for where I have often been too guilty of of breathing in your blessings, but not breathing out your praise. Father, so often I've been a very selfish, a very selfish believer in you because I've wanted to breathe in all of the goodness that you are. But so often I've been hesitant to breathe out the praise of thanksgiving, to breathe out the praise of who you are, to breathe out grace on other people so father this morning as we look at your breath as we look at where it comes from and what it is and how we define it god i pray that you challenge each of us what will we do with this breath that you have very distinctly given each of us Lord, I pray even today as we finish our our worship that we breathe out praise and we pray this in the name of God.